You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting slasher movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B. McKenzie. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how well it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me online at B-Not-B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. This week, we are dissecting 2009's Late to Rest, directed by Robert Greenhall. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movies this week, as well as life updates. Um, I have, uh, if you listen to the last episode, you found out that I was starting my journey into, like, Star Trek. Um, well, continuing. Right, continuing my journey. I guess not starting my cinematic journey because i've yeah. watched a lot of star trek television but i'd never watched the original movies with the original crew because i grew up on next generation which for anyone who doesn't know it's the second series um it came out in the 90s it was very popular um and it was the first series to come out after the original and it had been like 20 yeah, years 30 long years. time um yeah so i decided because b and i have been on a star trek kick um which I love for us. Uh, I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm finally going to just go back and watch all the movies. And it's funny because they don't get a lot of hype, I think, because everyone's like, oh, Star Trek, like original crew. And uh, the, in the first movie, I was like, okay, that was fun. That was good. But it's like a little slow. It's a little, like, it's a, it's a little boring. And I think it's because it's almost like, too politicky. Also, it's very like, let's not be this. It was made right after Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and like, it's very similar to that movie because I think they were just like piggybacking on like what science fiction is successful. Right. And so once it did well, they were able to like kind of do like more Star Trekky stuff. And Search for Spock or Revenge of Khan and Search for Spock are both fantastic. And it's funny because the movie that gets shit on a lot is the fourth one, Journey Home, which is more about whales. Like everyone knows, like, oh, the Star Trek with the humpback whales. And I absolutely loved it because it's a fish out of water time travel story where the original crew gets stuck in the 80s in San Francisco and they have to find a way to get back to the future with these humpback whales while also rebuilding the Enterprise with what they have there. And I thought it was a blast. Um, I haven't disliked any of them, I would say. I, I would say five is probably my least favorite of the bunch, which is the one William Shatner directed. Um, and it's, yeah, I just, it, it's not even bad. It's just my least favorite. There's always going to be a least favorite. But I watched all six of the original, and I like all of them. And I've been watching Discovery still. And Discovery takes place before this. Um, so it's cool to see Discovery reference stuff that's happened that will happen or, like, lead to things that are happening in Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I looked up the timeline. Um, there's some stuff that gets revealed on Discovery that connects the character, the main character in Star Trek to Spock. And so I was like, wait, wait, wait. What what timeline is this in? Yeah. It's, and like, then, really close. Yeah. it's So it's super close. So, yeah, it is really interesting and fun to see those, like, parallels of 
like the OG series and these movies to like a current right. television show. And how they make that timeline yeah. work. And I'm excited to watch Brave New Worlds, which like coincides with Discovery. And then I'm really excited to get through the Next Generation movies and watch Picard. Because um, I haven't watched any of Picard yet. And like I said, I grew up as a Next Generation fan. Um, like Captain John Luke Picard will always be my favorite. Uh, it's real close to Chris Pine's Kirk. It's real close. Um, but I'm really excited for Picard too. And then I also just, um, I was, I, I was like kicking around on Tubi. If you guys know how Tubi is free, there's commercials, but it is free. And like the amount of content they have is absolutely ridiculous, especially for horror movies. I found that most of Arrow is on there. Most of Arrow's movies are on there. Mm. So if you want to watch any, Arrow has its own like subscription with the full movies and no ads, obviously. And it's only five bucks, so it's not very expensive. But to be free, and if you want to watch some, like, a lot of their catalog, you just got to watch the commercials. Um, but they have that old series, Masters of Horror, on there, mm-hmm. which I've never watched. I've only ever heard about. Um, which every episode is directed by a, you know, master of horror. So I decided, I was like, there's two seasons, and I was like... It was on Chiller originally, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I watched it when it originally came out. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch these, because, mm-hmm. like, these are a bunch of people I love, and this is hour-long thing that Yeah, very much like the Alfred Hitchcock hour. Right. Yeah. I'm eight in, I think, so far. Um, You can definitely tell they're hindered by budget. Yeah. Like, you can tell the ones that would have done... There's some that have, like... So John Carpenter does one. It's called Cigarette Burns with Norman Reedus. And the concept and the idea are so cool. And I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I can just tell that. the out like the time restraint and the budget right. restraint hinder it. And I'm like, fuck, I wish this was just a movie. Like right. I wish he had a full length movie of this. But there are other ones, like Mick Garris had one called Chocolate, um, that has um what's his name from I'm blanking on his actual name now. Thomas Elliot, is that his name? Or Elliot. The, no, Elliot is the name of the kid in E.T. Henry yes. Thomas, I think that's his name. Yes. Yeah, Henry Thomas. Okay, so Henry Thomas is in it. This is like predating Hill House by like 15 years or something. Yeah, 2005. But, yeah, so like, uh, yeah, Mick did one with him. It's got him and uh, Matt Frewer, who I really like. Um, Don uh, Coscarelli, who did Phantasm, has one with Angus Scrim. That's a H.P. Lovecraft adaptation, or no, it's a Joe Lansdale adaptation. Um, there's a lot of really fun stuff in there. Well, didn't Mick create the series? I'm pretty sure. That's, it sounds like it'd be yeah, Mick's thing. Yeah, I'm pretty um, sure he did. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like it'd be up his alley. He's or he at least was... Like a co-creator. Yeah, of part of yeah. who made that happen. Yeah, but it's really good. Um, if you have Tubi, you can check it out. They're only an hour at piece, too, so it feels like you're just watching, like, you know, premiere television, like, episode of something. Um... They're dated, you know, they're from the 2000s, and like like I said, budget and stuff, but like there is a lot of like good ideas, some really awesome practical effects, um, because they didn't have a budget for CG back then. This was that weird era where CG was more expensive than practical, where, I mean, now it's still expensive, but it's got like more like in budget. And yeah, money. I mean, you can get away with, like you can do... It's possible to do it even if you don't really have a budget. Whether it looks great is right. another thing, exactly. but at least it's actually possible. Yeah. Whereas I feel like we, there was like, we're almost to the point, I, I've read some things where it's like practical is too much. Right. Because like all the things that go into it. Like, time. Time, time is like huge yeah. thing because you have to put people in makeup and yeah. stuff. Um, 
but like so there's a lot of really cool practical effects in there um dario argento had a really interesting episode mm-hmm. um and that's the thing too i like how varied it is mm-hmm. with the directors like it's all over the place um you know you get mick you get john carpenter you get uh like i said uh don coscarelli like all these different guys um so i would i would definitely say give it a shot just know going in like it feels yeah. actually very much toby hooper oh yeah, yeah I watched joe toby's dante episode. yeah toby's episode's great robert england's in it um it's super like unhinged toby which i really enjoy um yeah i'm getting excited about these directors i have coming up too we got like you know larry cohen lucky mckee takashi mike from bk sorry i pronounced the name wrong um yeah so um if, if you watch creep show at all and on shutter it's very like similar kind of vibe and budget wise i would say yeah um so like that's what you're getting yourself into uh but yeah those are the two things uh that i've been watching um life update i got a new job started that this week i it's i do um I verify background checks um <laughs> It doesn't sound super exciting, and I didn't, wasn't super excited about it, but I got to actually finally get my hands on it and start messing around. And I will say a little bit, I feel like a detective. So <laughs> that part I so like. So that's exciting. Yeah, because yeah. it'll be like someone says, like, well, I did this. I'm like, well, I'm going to verify that you did this. Like, I feel a little bit like Veronica Mars when she has to call places. Right. But I'm not, like, doing a fake, you know, like. Her fake voices. Her fake voices are, like, making up personas. I'm just like, hey, this is Ryan. <laughs> uh, but still. Just, uh, confirming but, this yeah, uh, But still, there, there is a part of me that a little bit, like, some of it's really easy, but sometimes it'll be like, you got to track down where the school is, and then you got to track down who you're going to talk to, and then you got to figure out if they actually went to school there. And I'm like, all right, I can, that's a little detective in me. So, um, yeah, so new job, and, you know, that's, it's, I was telling you the other day, it's almost been a year since I've had, like, a steady job. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of freelance. Yeah, and so yeah, um, well, yeah I don't think I talked about that either because we we were on hiatus for oh, yeah. like, so many reasons. Oh, yeah, he has a new job too. I have a new job too. Yeah, I was freelancing from 2019 as a graphic designer from 2019 to 2021. Um, I started my new position in i mean basically in january i started like the last week of december so in january i started a new position as a graphic designer for a nonprofit called etr that uh specializes in research and curriculum for health education um so it's something i'm passionate about um it's an extremely progressive company that's putting out um science-based uh curriculum and information out uh, into the world, which I come from a family of teachers, so it's really nice to be sort of in the education world while still being able to be a designer. Like, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher, but it's cool to see um, that I can have an impact on, like, education still, like, within this role. Um, So it's super rewarding um, just from, like, a personal standpoint. I really care about the work that my company does um so I love that um and I mean I'm still freelancing to uh continue doing like the fun film stuff which is really nice that I get to do both I just now get to say no to clients I do not want to work with that are a pain to work with because I don't have to rely on them for a paycheck um, I have my job that's super rewarding in from like a mission standpoint. Um, and 
I've never worked, I've always worked for really small companies, which has shaped the type of person I am and how I live my life. Like I always be grateful for the small businesses that I've worked for. I actually haven't had that many jobs. I'm a, I stay at places for forever, basically. (laughs) And so, um, this is a big, big shift for me. This is a national company, but, um, I work completely remote. Um, and it's, the culture there is amazing and even though I work from home I have just such an amazing team of designers and the other people within the company are so incredible um I'm very very thankful um to be working there um so yeah that was one of the other big things why we were on hiatus Ryan moved yep we both got new jobs yep. um yeah we've been up to a lot yeah Right. But yeah, so yay for yay for new jobs. Yeah, I know it's exciting, exciting new ventures. Yeah. Um, let's see what have I been watching? So we watched the Batman. Um, how many days did it take you? <laughs> two, which I don't think is that bad. No, our friend Jared watched it. He, Three. I mean, Jared. B and Ben have two kids, and Jared has one. And B and Ben did two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and it took Jared and Lindsay three. But they are also way less committed to movies than you or me or, or Ben. Well, and in our defense, our babies are incredible sleepers and go to bed by 7 p.m. at the latest. And I literally put them in bed, and then I don't see them again until 7 in the morning. And that's not most parents' right. situations. So... Although I do have two kids and they run me ragged from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., I do not see them the rest of the... Right. From 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., I have my alone time. So we usually... If we can stay awake, we can usually get a movie in um, if we start right when we go to bed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it took us two nights. We I made it further than Ben did. I made it to like the last 40 minutes. And then I was, like, starting to doze off, and Ben was, like, asleep on the couch. And I'm, like, why am I fighting? Well, I'm going to have to watch the end of right, this again anyways. Right, watch it anyways, yeah. And so I was, like, screw it. And then I just got in bed and fell asleep. I mean, it's a long movie. It's damn near three hours. It is a long movie. And that's, well, honestly, my only complaint about it. And I know, I know people are, like, oh, but there are some three-hour movies that I wish were longer. Like, I don't want ever want them to end. Mm-hmm. This movie was beautiful incredibly well acted i'm not like a massive batman fan um i mean i've seen all of the movies i'm not like not a fan but i'm not like hard for batman it's not like my go-to superhero hard for <laughs> but i i mean i zoe kravitz my god i love her i love our pats um i really really enjoyed the storyline with this one um i enjoyed that It's very much the Batman and not Bruce Wayne at all. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really interesting. And somehow, I mean, what? Eight movies? How many movies? Like live action? One, two, three, four, three, two. This will be ten. Ten. Yeah. So going into the tenth movie to still find like a mostly refreshing story and an interesting take Mm -hmm. um if anything i thought it was the most similar to like gotham the tv show where i was like oh wow like i'm feeling they almost felt like it picked up like 
it was like Gotham storyline. Well, because it's very street level. But yes, it's yeah. very street level. It has a lot to do with like um, the Marconis. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, like Penguin and all, which was very Gotham heavy. Um, I think that's why like my relationship with Batman, like it reminded me of Gotham so much. Like, oh, this is this is the Gotham Batman grown up. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I just thought it was so it's beautiful that like you just land on a shot and that shot would stay there for like 10 seconds and I'm like okay that could have been a five second shot um that's it I mean it's not like the story I didn't get bored at all I just genuinely thought like sometimes the shots just stayed for a little bit too long yeah no Um, I can see that I I was telling B2 we were talking about it and like I I wonder if all the Zack Snyder stuff with DC has made DC apprehensive to not letting directors just like do what they want right and as like from a director standpoint and like the or like a film filmmakers in general the cinematographers the producers like the writers the people who you know are this is their art and they're making it trust me that shit looked amazing if it looked like that i'm like no you're gonna stare at that for 30 fucking seconds and nothing's gonna be going on but you're just gonna look at how good that looks i get it um, does it make for a little bit of a stop and start film watching experience? 100%. Yeah. It felt like a director's cut. Um. Which is wild because there will be a director's cut that's longer. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. Those are my Batman thoughts. I they guess. confirmed the sequel today. I saw that. Because it's CinemaCon. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, was be. that not a given? Not really. Um, it did, there, I mean, it, it didn't, you know here's the thing like unfortunately and i love marvel movies but unfortunately marvel's kind of broken things yeah we just talked about that with star trek yeah um exactly yeah, yeah. and so you know it's not just marvel. jurassic park marvel the fast right. movies they broke the formula when it comes to action movies and right. so they think they need to make a billion dollars they think they need to make a billion exactly and so batman did very well maybe 800 million dollars that's very good um but it didn't make a billion you know so everyone's like is it gonna get the Oh my god! Like, well, it made eight hundred million dollars, and also you got to think, like it made eight hundred million dollars with everyone knowing it was going to streaming forty days later. Right. Yeah. It's very impressive. I watched it on HBO. Yeah, it's very very impressive. Um, also, it made eight hundred million dollars. It's a three hour long movie. Endgame was three hours long, but it had eleven years of movies before it backing up the runtime. Right. Batman was a brand new thing, and people have felt burned by Batman because, like. Some people love Batfleck, some people don't. So a lot of people felt burnt. So everyone was like, some people thought there would be Batman fatigue. And so... Well, yeah, another Batman. Right. And so for it to come out, I think it's very impressive for it to come out and against all those odds, make $800 million. The other thing standing in the way was like, does Pattinson even want to do it? Because if he doesn't, like, do we really want to reboot Batman again? Um, One, they they need to remember that you don't have to reboot something every time you get a new actor. James Bond didn't do it for however many years they didn't do it with the 90s batman movies and they didn't do it with the 90s batman movies the the tim burton batman movies are considered canonical with the joel schubacher batman movies that's four movies it's three actors yeah it's totally okay it's yeah. okay but we've gotten to this age where somehow like and it, it kind of like fascinates me a little bit that i'm like do you think they're gonna be young forever like we right. can't just like fake this you know like so it's interesting to me that people like we've headed in that direction of like not recasting and i think it's because i do think that a little bit is we've talked about it before online like 
fandom is right. very toxic and poisonous sometimes. It's awesome sometimes, but it's also very poisonous. And so people are like, freak out if it gets recast. Right. You know? And they're like, ah! And I'm like, it's okay. We've done this before. Like, we've been there. Um, I know. I was surprised Robert Pattinson wanted to, like, when he got announced, I'm like, wow, that's awesome. But, like, he's done everything possible to not be in like a blockbuster movie i think he finally got is to the he point over where, it i think so yeah i think he got to the point where he's like i'm letting because he is such an actor right i think he from what i've read in interviews it seems like he was he, limiting himself he was limiting because himself he didn't want to and, be in another and a big breakup was tenant um because it was very cerebral and that movie is like you know it's christopher nolan and he really loved it but he did realize it's, the, it's christopher nolan it's gonna be a big movie and I even read, it was funny, I read he had to go audition for Batman while he was on Tenet. And so he told Chris he needed time off. He was like, hey, I'm just going to take like, this time off. And Chris Nolan literally went, you're going to be Batman, aren't you? Like, he knew off the bat. He's like, oh, you're going to be Batman, aren't you? <laughs> um, which I love, just like that little story, because Nolan's so connected to Batman. Right. And like, so he, his, you know, his fingers were like on the pulse of what was going on with yeah. the movie. Yeah. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Well... Good for them. I hope this is like just the beginning of Zoe Kravitz just getting whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, her and our path both. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, that man can act. And he's so attractive. Yeah. His chin is perfect for that man. His it dog, is. Right? Yeah, it's like perfect. It really is. Yeah. Man. I also just love to, like, not to just continue the our paths conversation, but I wonder if like the twilight renaissance that's happened yeah i wonder if that's sort of been a little healing i think it has i saw him in, uh, again in an interview where he said something someone said something he goes it's not even cool to not like twilight right. anymore yeah and so i think he has finally like been able to move past twilight right because it's like been accepted and he's like okay i don't have to like be ashamed of this anymore right or like feel like it's a dock on my resume or something right yeah yeah so no, I'm I'm stoked for both of their careers to absolutely blow up. I mean, they're already incredibly famous, but to just even get bigger because they're both amazing actors. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's Batman. Those are our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'll be more. Um, Flight Attendant Season 2 premiered um, over the weekend. It was two-episode premieres. So that's on HBO Max. I loved the first season so much, and I got to hand it to HBO for being one of the only, I mean, I guess they're not a network. Services. Services, comp- production companies making shows that I watch week to week. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched week to week television in about 10 years. I just have a really hard time, and I just wait to watch all of it one time. I can't. I just am desperate. And also, not only am I desperate to know – but I feel like in particular, a lot of their shows have still been able to grasp the like water cooler buzz Yes, that a lot of streaming shows can't do anymore. I feel like HBO is the best at that. It and, is. And, and like, it's not in your circle, but Disney. Yeah. Disney and HBO yeah. both produce really top tier high big buzz yeah weekly shows where people are online talking about it and it's a whole thing and to the point where i'm like i can't go on the internet if like euphoria especially like if i didn't watch it 
immediately I couldn't go on my phone because it would be, it was so insanely talked about. And even the flight attendant, I didn't realize that had gone up again, busy life, kids, like, and I was on Twitter and like every other tweet was about it. I was like, oh my God, what? Season two? Barry came out. I haven't oh, watched Barry it yet, but yes. Barry yes, came out um, this week as we are recording as well. So again, just HBO fucking sponsor us because. Oh my God. Everything they do. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's so funny because they're so varied. Like B, you know, is watching Flight Attendant. And I mean, I'll watch Barry too. Yeah. But also like I've been watching um, This Flag Means Death. Taika Waititi's oh, uh-huh. show, um, and also their Lakers show, um, oh, yeah. uh, Winning Time with John C. Riley, and I'm I've been watching those week to yeah. week, and I'm just like, damn, HBO just like every time one of their shows at a season ends, it's only like a week before they're like, don't worry, we got something that right. you're gonna want to watch. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, shit, keep it coming. No, and it so is nice good. to have like appointment TV again. It's so weird how cyclical things are. Yeah, because like. You know, five years ago, everyone's like, "It's never coming back." Like, right? Uh, binge or is nothing. Dead. Yeah. yeah. And now sometimes I'm like, "It's nice to not binge a show." Yeah. I do agree. There are certain, like, to me, I love Netflix putting out trash TV in binge form because I don't need to wait weekly to do that. Binging it is the way to do it. Right. Because it's just like garbage TV. Yeah. Um, but things like this that like actually build towards something. Right. I the want suspense builds. Yeah, yeah. I want that appointment television. No, you don't want yeah, you don't want to hold on to some of this stuff. That's how like White Lotus was. Like the show only got better because I was filled with so much dread every week. Like, the fuck is gonna happen? Or is anything gonna happen? Like you just didn't know. I no joke think part of that is the pandemic. Because life seems so dire oh we need and something so to look forward to we needed something to look forward to instead of consu- like instead of yeah. like literally a dopamine overdose in one day yeah it was nice to be able to be like well next week we got this yeah just and, please give me something right to look like give me something and like i i honestly think the pandemic highlighted because like especially i mean if you're on tiktok or instagram you see how much gen z and millennials are always laughing about like haha it's the end of the world and so it's like <laughs> it's nice to have something to look forward to every week right. it really is like if life is hard you're like you're always like well I got Moon Knight next week. Cool. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. It's it's the little things. It's the little things that a worldwide pandemic will bring out in yeah. society. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's exciting. And then on the book front, I finished um, this last week, It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover, which, funny enough, speaking of TikTok, I'm not on TikTok, but I... I don't know how I found out about this book. I have a lot of avenues for how I, you know, reserve books from the library. And at some point I reserved this one and it finally came available. Um, I just get a notification. Your book is ready to take a hold out. And I say, okay. And then I start reading it or listening to it. And then I go to finish it and I go on Goodreads and I go to rate it. Um, Cause I'm religious about that. Not my letterbox apparently. Yep. And I just see that a sequel was coming out this October, and the book was written in 2016. I'm like, that's odd. That's like a really big gap for a book to get a sequel. That's, that's like, what? Gap. What's that math? 2016 to 2022? Eight six years? years? Six years? Yes. Six? Six, four, plus twelve. Six years. 2016 no, to I know. I was doing six plus six is 12. Yeah, six plus six is 12. Yes. Anyhow, six years. That's a long time. What in the world? I guess book talk like got this book 
big again in like the last year, which is probably how it popped up on some list, which enabled me to check it out. Um, so yeah. Is that a podcast? Huh? Book talk? No, it's like the community on TikTok. Oh, books. book talk. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I was thinking T A L K, not T L. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Talk. Right, right. Book talk. I That didn't help. <laughs> talk. I Made mean, sense in my head. <laughs> right? Talk. Book talk. Because you knew what it was saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anywho, uh, it was very good. Um, I. I have been reading good stuff, but this is definitely one where I was like, okay, that was, like, excellent. Um, The gist of it is it's about this girl, and you find out, girl, young woman, and you find out that her father has just passed away, and to sort of go through his death, she goes back and reads these journals that she wrote when she was in high school. Um, And we find out through these journals that she... um, her dad was like abusive to her mother and she befriended this homeless boy um, who kind of became her like friend and like retreat from the domestic abuse happening in her house. While also we're following her in the current timeline um, as a young adult in um, Boston as she opens up a new business and starts dating somebody new. Um, And then these like sort of two storylines intertwine and it is just, it's excellent um, that I find out at the end of the book, the author wrote... um, not an aside. Um, an epilogue? An epilogue. And uh, it was inspired by her mother's relationship with her father. Mm. And so it's a deeply personal book. Um, it's, and you can tell that. And I loved that you kind of got like an insight to why she wrote this book. Um, and so, I mean, definitely if like any kind of domestic abuse is triggering for you, it's definitely not a book to read. Um it's that's like the main topic of this book, both in her past and her, in her current life. Um, but I'm very excited for the sequel. I'm interested to see uh, what that's going to look like based on where the book ended. But if you're just looking for a really, really good, um, I don't even know what genre to call it. It's just like adult literature. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's listed as romance. I mean, there is romantic relationship good romantic relationships in it um and bad ones and i mean i guess it's a romance that just sounds really positive it is a romance in that the main subject of the book are romantic relationships a variety of them so i mean i I guess that's what you would call it yeah i know romance always gets that notion of like passionate and like kind of uplifting yeah it has to be like a rom-com but like no yeah it's a lot of it's a dramatic romance yeah for sure i know yeah um, there's even horror i i can yeah. some peak like romantic horror so, yeah. yeah gothic yeah, yeah gothic romance yeah um but yeah excellent book highly recommend and i will definitely be reading that sequel um later this year they're working on a movie yeah i'm sure they are yeah right there is anybody about Dunny. i don't know they have, I don't I don't know know that they have oh the jane the virgin guy oh yeah so. He also is, like, now famous for being, like, he has, like, a very big podcast mm-hmm. where he tries to, like, 
that I haven't listened to it. I've just seen clips, but I'm pretty sure the purpose of the podcast is sort of to like bring men together to like destigmatize like men toxic masculinity and like men's feelings and stuff. And good for him. That'd be dope. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it should. Yeah, Harris Beauty is probably. Yeah. Sorry, we're looking right now. He has a podcast. Um. That's like very big. I have to look it up now. Um, anyways, while we look that up, the movie we're gonna get into the movie that we watched this week, which is 2009's "The Man Enough" podcast, is what it's called. Yes. Um. Yeah. What does it mean to be a man in the world today? More importantly, what does it mean to be human? Um. So yeah, I think he's just out there having some really um important conversations about masculinity. He seems like a cool guy. Um, yeah, but the movie, so the movie we were coming <laughs> On a today, much different note. Way different note is Late the Restroom 2009. Uh, our synopsis is a young girl wakes up in a casket with a head injury, no memory of her identity. She quickly realizes she was abducted by a serial killer and she must fight to survive. Yeah, I mean, it's a good synopsis. It, yeah, pretty, it's a pretty straightforward slasher. Yes. <laughs> There's no like frills about it not that that's a bad thing no. i mean it's just a very to the point it like you know if you listen to the show with me you know like we cover what subgenre is it and i was like no, none it's just this is just a slasher Subgenre movie. slasher yeah it's a slasher like, that's a slasher i was like it's not a teen scream it's not a holiday it's not a, like no. school slasher it's none of these things it's not a supernatural slasher it's not themed yeah it's, it's not like, about a holiday right it's just very like straight slasher um yeah it came out march 18th in uh 2009 has no budget uh or box office records i'm pretty sure it never hit theaters uh if i recall correctly because i watched this when it came out it was straight to dvd yeah um i mean yeah it's very it's a very straight to dvd like horror movie uh yeah reception 80 percent on rotten tomatoes um with a note that it has five reviews. Yeah, there's um, limited reviews. That's an exceptionally high. When I saw it, I was like, Rotten Tomatoes I was like, score. what the fuck? And then I saw how many reviews there were, and they're all horror websites, so I was like, that tracks. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. We'll get into how I feel about that, that number. <laughs> I think that's high. I, I think that's too high. I, I think it's too high. Um, I It's nice. It's um, I hate saying that because it's nice to see a slasher movie. Right. So highly, that's not like fucking scream. Right. You know. That's why I put only five reviews. It's very skewed. It's a skewed right. metric. Because a lot of the slasher movies we cover get theatrical release and they're being covered by 30 Yeah. The Boston outlets. Globe and yeah. like just random people whose job it is to watch all movies. Right. And, and, them. and the thing is... B and I don't run into this a lot because there weren't a lot of slashers in the late uh, 2000s that weren't theatrical. It was when it was the tail end of the slasher remake Renaissance. Um, and so a lot of them, like um, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and Sorority Row, were all getting theatrical release with a lot of coverage. This is one of the rare ones that went straight to DVD. And so uh, that's why we're seeing such a skewed number because only the horror sites covered it. And also the big difference is Unlike back in the day, um, you know, this is an era, 2009 is right when, like, web journalism started getting really, really big for entertainment. And so, of course, all these people uploaded their reviews onto Rotten Tomatoes, which is what we use usually, like, normally as our aggregate. Um, So it's much easier for us to find reviews for things 
in this era. There's just not a lot in this era that right. isn't theatrical. No, it is. It, it is an interesting like juxtaposition between. It's like one of those rare times. It's like now we're getting theatrical slash. Well, the pandemic ruined some of that, but. Yeah. We were starting to, and now again, we're right. starting to get slashers in the theaters that are wide releases. But we haven't had that since 2006, is right, is when we got Texas, 2004. Yeah. And then we got all like of those 09. remakes in like through 09. I think 2010 was Nightmare. And yes. then no, that's it. It's Friday. Yeah. Yep. And then that was it. Yep. They were gone until it took another 10 years, and then here we are again. Yep. So it is interesting to see that sort of shift because the only slasher movies that we had in the tens were direct to video or streaming. Right. For a while. Yeah. Yeah. Until like recently. Until the twenties, really. Right. Until the twenties, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got a few here and there. Yeah. Uh, but it was few and far between. Yeah. But yeah, this one is the weird one. It's the yeah. outlier where it's like, oh, everything was theatrical in your street. Right. Video. Yeah. Yeah. So, Director Hall was able to create a slasher film with characters we care about, but definitely doesn't take anything too seriously either, giving horror fans a movie that's both entertaining and a lot of fun to watch, which was Heather Wixon at Dread. And then earns a comfortable spot next to Hatchet, Cold Prey, and Behind the Mask as a basic but sincere love letter to the best of the 80s horror flicks, which was Scott Weinberg at FearNet. I agree with almost completely both of those, except um, I think Behind the Mask is actually like a whole bunch up. I think Behind the Mask is like super meta and does a lot of like really fun, interesting things with slashers. Very different than Hatchet and Cold Cold Prey, which we've covered both of those movies. And this does feel in line with Hatchet yes. and Cold Prey. Like it doesn't 100%. feel like Leslie Vernon down no, in the mask. not at all. Um, which is like an indie, like, low-budget. Yeah, that was another straight video, for sure. That movie is saying a lot different things than Hatchet and Cold Prey are, which are really like, hey, we're just going to give you a full yeah, blown like brutal slasher. Yeah. We haven't done Leslie Vernon, right? No. No, okay. Uh, yeah, so... Oh, man. This poster... <laughs> so the poster it's so 2000s for, yeah I know every time we cover uh, I don't know it'll be interesting to see as we get farther away from the 10s and the 20s um, I I mean you can just sniff out an aughts movie like mm-hmm. no other yep. and <laughs> For so many things. Like, you look at a poster, I can tell you what year it was made. You can look at the out, you know, and a big part of that, that's when I was an adolescent. Like, that's, you know, so I recognize that the aughts are a very specific, like, time for Ryan and I that aren't as specific for other people. But I cannot wait to see if I can do that same thing. Because I feel like I can do the same thing with 90s and 80s movies and 70s. I can specifically tell you, like... Hey, I can look at a poster, I can look at this, or I can hear the score or the dialogue and be able to, even if I didn't already know, I'd be like, oh yeah, that's a true, each decade has its own tropes. Oh, for sure. And their own, like, especially in film in general, but especially once, the more you break it down, the more you really get into the nitty gritty of like, yeah, I can point out a 90s slasher from a hundred miles away. Mm -hmm. 
But the same with an odds one. Like, it yeah. would not... You could hold this cover up to me for five seconds. I'd be like, when's that made? Like, oh, oh, eight? Yeah. No, <laughs> like, I exactly. would have started just like, that's like 2000. Yeah, you play the opening scene and like, regardless, which is hard to ignore, but regardless of like the production level or like what people are wearing, like it's the other decisions being made. Right. Like how many boobs are there? When yep. do they pop up? Yep. How violent are the kills? Yep, there's so much. <laughs> how yeah. mean are the characters to each other? Oh, yeah, exactly. Does everybody hate each yeah. other? Like, okay, odds, odds, odds. Um, so, hey, this poster, odds, odds, odds. Um, so we have Chrome Skull. We have our mask of our killer. Uh, I kind of. I don't, that's not what his teeth look like, I don't think. Is it? Uh, is that his mask? Yeah, it's what? like a. I think it's an exaggerated version. Yeah, of his it's mask. his mask. I think it just has some editing done to it. And then the specific knife that he does use in the movie, which I should have asked Ben about. I'm assuming oh, yeah. this is like a custom knife because it has a like like knuckles. brass knuckles as the handles. Yeah, yeah. And then it's a serrated like gutting knife. It's very on similar one side. to Ghostface. And then uh, real pointy and sharp on the other side. Yeah, so, the blade is similar to those. Yeah, it's not the entire knife. Yeah, then the serrated part. Yeah. Uh, and they're crossed, you know, to look like a skull and crossbones. Um, and then the background's like dripping blood and then laid to rest is just flat out at the bottom. And is that also Oz font? Yeah, just a... Sort of like a basic sans serif, like all caps font, but then it's got this like treatment to it to make it look sort of fuzzy and distorted and and like it came out of the 2000s. I mean, you know everything you need to know about this movie from this poster. You do. I will say that. You absolutely do, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. I mean, you put your killer, you have a, this very cool killer. You put them on the poster. Like, those are the Oh, words. absolutely, yes. Um, now, I almost used, I, I should have included it, um, the, the alternate poster, because it's a little more, um, it was just not used, I don't know if it was, like, used when I went to screaming or, or what, but there is an alternate poster, yeah, this one, oh. which, which utilizes the camera idea. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this looks like a much uh, more sophisticated cover. I'll post both of both of them but it's like a side profile of chrome skulls and then like within the eye um you can see the final girl like screaming and it's and it's lit up red like his camera yeah it's treated like you're viewing it sort of like through the camera and that's the idea and then the type treatment and everything's the same right that's a much more like sophisticated poster in the sense that um it's just the the concept's a little bit more advanced in right. how it's executed. Um, I mean, this is not not saying that this isn't effective. I mean, it's a skull and crossbones, right? But it's like the crossbones are the knife that he uses. Um, it's just this is a poster that you like hang up on your wall because you're a fan of Chrome Skull as and not how you market the movie. Like, this should be, this should be an old poster, in my right. mind. Yeah. This is something that, like, a fan would have. This isn't something that you would use to, you know, convince somebody to check it out on a DVD stand or watch it streaming, but, you know. I mean, I guess it worked for me. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did. Yeah. So, so. I, yeah, I didn't watch it at the time, which is funny, because I was very 
this was very into horror at this time and was watching pretty much everything um yeah i don't know i don't know what i was doing i probably saw like a chrome like literally a chrome skull and was like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not gonna watch that it's a little i and if i can like think back to that time it looks kind of uh like bro-y oh yeah for sure um oh, and yeah, yeah. so i probably was like oh i don't know like i probably got like torture this, vibes this, from it. oh no super and yeah. also like this is literally like almost like the logo to metal militia that fucking right. clothing brand yeah which we obviously were not part of that no. circle. Um, so I can understand being like, ah, not my, yeah, not my thing. Yeah, I think if I would have saw that in that time period, I would have felt like, ooh, this this looks like a little... I honestly think Richard or Corey brought this to the table for me because I also think I would have passed on it. Right. As, especially in this era, like, I was so into the remakes yeah. that I was, like, not looking for anything like this. Yeah. Although I did, I bought Hatch the day it came out, so I don't know. Who knows? Uh, who knows? I yeah. We could go back sometimes. too. Like, like, just, like, a little, like, viewing window. Like, yeah. what, were you, what were you doing? Uh, I know. There's some, sometimes we come across movies, especially if they're in the odds, and I'm like, why didn't I watch this? Mm-hmm. Like, how did I not? Like, how did I miss this? Yeah. yeah. Like, how did I not see this on fucking Redbox, even? Right. Like, that's a lot of the things. Like, you just, Redbox gave you, like, three movies to choose from. You're like, I guess I'm going to watch this. Like, you go to horror, and I'm like, okay, well, we're going to watch this one tonight. Yeah. Their horror selections are either, like, the biggest horror movie ever or, like, at that point, or just, the two lowest yeah. brow yeah. horrors. Yep. Exactly. And then you're lucky if it played all the way through. <laughs> oh, my God. That reminds me. I forgot to put it on there recently. Watched. I watched Fear Farm because it was filmed in Dixon. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah. it's, it's a corn maze horror movie. Dixon is by us. Yeah, it's near Sacramento. And it takes place in the Dixon cornfield. Um, oh, the, the, yeah. The, the corn maze. Um, and it's surprisingly good. And Alrighty. it was also, it's like 2000s. And I, it was another one of those ones that I, like, I was like, how did I miss this? Because huh. like, it's competently made. It's actually a lot of fun. I was like, oh, wow. I'm Has so- Bobby seen it? No, I told him about it as yeah. soon as Our I friend Bobby it. is from Dixon. Yeah, so I was like, you have to watch yeah, this. Yeah, you got to watch all the movies from where you're from. Always. That's why yeah. we watched all those crappy Bin Mill movies. Yeah. Pick Out's pretty good. Which one? Pick Out. Pick Out's okay. Um, no, no taglines, unfortunately, uh, which breaks my heart because I feel like they could come up with some good ones for this. Um, and there was a sequel, Chrome Skull, Lady Rest 2. And then the third one was being worked on literally until like pretty much last year. Um, and uh, we'll get to that like next. Actually, that leads into why it didn't happen. So the sequel was Lady Rest 2. Our director, Robert Marine Hall, he was a special effects artist. He uh, did Buffy, Angel the Crazy, so very genre-oriented. Um, and then obviously this movie and its sequel, he passed away in 2020. Um, oh, I didn't even see that. I was looking yeah. him up to see what else he had done. Yeah. And I saw that he worked on, like, and even recently, like, a ton of spells, which after watching this, as soon as I looked it up, like, that makes so much sense. Makes so much sense. The kills in this movie are incredible. Oh, they're so good. Like. But they're heavy special effects. Heavy special effects. Yeah. Like, like a special, it, like, this movie seems like a sizzle reel for a special yeah. effects artist. I don't know if we've covered a movie where yet where i grimaced as much as i did in this the movie. closest that might have been funnily enough is the same era as hatchet but hatchet plays so into comedy right that you don't that's do what it i was thinking much. yeah exactly i was like okay like it reminds me of hatchet in that way of just being so insanely gory but like this is so malicious <laughs> oh about yeah it. this movie is very 
that I'm like, oh, oh my god. Like, so many times I was just like, ah. Yeah, like, it's, it's like actually gnarly. You're yeah. like, holy shit. Yeah, no, like, oh. Yeah, um, you're not good with like body. Oh, or, like, yeah. No, no hard, hard pass on if, this if one. If gore bums you out, yeah. Yeah, skip no, it. No, and I love gore, but this is like. Ugh. It's hard to watch gore. Yeah, yeah, yeah I it's agree. It's gross. Um, no, but so That's unfortunately really he sad. passed away. It's super sad. So, it's you know, uh, yeah, like. You know, sending well, thoughts yeah. to his rest friends and family peace. and rest in peace. And because uh, you produce, you know, I mean, like I said, special effects artists, but you also made some like two pretty badass horror movies, especially considering that like the budgets were probably damn near minimal on these. Yeah. Um, so, and we'll eventually cover the sequel, but oh, like yeah. I believe that the sequel was bigger. Oh, like, it was. Went it a was. lot more Because this had gained like cult class. Right. Or, and then, like, yeah, some steam. Because uh, Brian Austin Green um, is in the sequel. Um, and funny enough, like I remember Ben, when we were talking about movies to watch, we're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, you want to watch late dress with me? He's like, what is that? I'm like, what do you mean? You said you've seen it. And he's like, Oh no, I've seen the sequel. So he'd like only seen the sequel. Um, which then when you watch the trailer for the sequel, like that kind of makes sense. You're like, okay, this seems like this one got like a little bit more budget, budget and attention. Um, but we see, I have not seen the sequel yet. Um, so yeah, Robert Green Hall, rest in peace. Um, that was very sad. Um, yeah. he also wrote it. Uh, yeah, there's not a score. Uh, it is just Suicidal Tendencies does the soundtrack. And I mean, there is a score in the movie, kind of. It's a lot of noise. Yeah. It's a lot of like night noises. There is, yeah, there is music score like music playing at some points i don't know if that those are just i think they're like just free whatever right. like they're singers obviously yeah. like when things happen yeah. um but i went back and watched and i was like oh there is a lot of silence in it this is movie. a lot of silence and a lot of just the noise right of, like when they're in the truck yeah. a lot of time yeah. it's just the noise of yeah. the car driving and mm-hmm. stuff and i was like oh there is a very minimal score to yeah. this movie but they made sure to for sure list suicidal tendencies yes. as the soundtrack. Yeah. So anytime there is a song playing, it is suicidal Yes, tendencies. which is so funny. And probably exactly why I did not watch this movie in 2009. <laughs> yes. um, the cinematographer was Scott Winnig, um, who did Doom Patrol, um, American Horror Story, and the Hulu's Into the Dark. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because okay. he, those, I mean, he went on to be very yeah. successful in television. Yeah. Yeah, so I I wanted to note those. Um, And then edited by Andrew Bentler, who worked on Z Nation. Right. I included that because I know you and Ben watched it. um, And he's done, like, a couple sci-fi things, but that was, like, his most notable thing. So everyone, like, you know, went on – I mean, Robert Greenhall kind of stayed in this arena, but everyone, like, went on to do consistently work, especially in in the horror genre. Yeah. I love love seeing that, especially, you know, being – Twelve years. Oh, from this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. been twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's nice to see that you know it's a rough industry. So it is. I, yeah. To see them still working is it, really nice. It makes me very happy for sure, especially a movie like this that like has so much working for it. Mm-hmm. Um. And just you can tell. Yeah. It's, I mean, the people make this movie. Work. Right. It's passion. So. Yes. Which I love to see. Um, Bobby C. Luther is our girl princess, is what they lovingly call her, which is so funny. Such a goofy. Um, it that is, whole mechanic is so 
Yeah, it's so, it's so silly. I don't even think, like, and I was, like, actually pretty invested. Like, I only picked up my phone, like, a couple times watching this movie, which I then noted at the end. I'm like, oh, I was actually, like, really invested. Like, I would pick my phone up when the commercials played because I watch it on TV. And then I pretty much put it, put it down. Um, But did they just start calling her princess? Like, I feel like I missed that. Uh, Was that, like, a conversation? um, What's it? Tucker, the character Uh um, that picked her up in the truck. Yeah. um, Says, like, they're talking. They have, like, a little heart-to-heart. And she's like, I don't even remember my name. He's like, let's just make one up for you. And she remembers that she used her favorite toy as a kid was some princess, like, essentially a Barbie. She's like, princess whatever. And he's like, all right, princess, that works. And so they just start calling her princess. So funny. Yeah. So they call her princess the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, like, second half, she, like, now has that name, which I, it's just perfect. Um, choosing the Poughkeepsie tapes. Um, yeah, she does a lot of production, producing now. Yeah. yeah. She was an actress. This was pretty much the last thing she did. So she was married to Robert Greenhall. Yes. Yeah. Um, they were together at some point, and then, like, she acted for a while, like, a lot of minor stuff. Even in Poughkeepsie tapes, she's, like, a bit role in it, uh, which that's a one-and-done movie if you've never seen it. Uh, but <laughs> it's a rough one. But, uh, yeah, she's gone on to mostly produce. Her biggest thing has been Sylvie's Love, which came out the last year on Amazon, um, which was, it got a lot of press, and, like, it was a, a pretty, like, significant movie. So she has gone on to be a pretty successful producer, uh, but has pretty much left acting behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good choice. Yeah. I mean, she's, she, um, it's weird. She didn't, like, literally, she didn't even reprise her role as princess in two. Yeah, because um, Princess is in that movie as well, and she didn't even come back for it. Yeah, um, yeah. Nick Principe is Chrome School. Uh, he he's a stunt actor, which a lot of these guys usually are. Um, like, yeah, I mean he has no lines. No, yeah. no lines. Um, you know, like look yes, at, you literally don't see his face. Yeah, look at like Kane and Derek Mears. Yeah. And, like all those guys start as like stunt actors. He was in Hatchet Two. Um, I'm pretty sure as like some sort of stunt role. Um, and he does reprise his role as yes. Chrome School in Late to Rest, uh, or Chrome School Late Rest 2. And uh, then, yeah, Tucker, Kevin, uh, Kevin Gage plays Tucker, who's in Heat, uh, Con Air, Point Blank, so some 90s stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, Sean Whelan as Steven, um, Roach and People Under the Stairs. Um, Idle Hands, That Thing You Do. Oh, and interesting, the first ever Got Milk commercial. I had to include that when I saw it because it was, like, noted on the thing. Like, he was in the first ever Got Milk commercial. Um, And he's totally a guy that if you see him, you're like, I've seen him in something. Yeah. He's, like, one of those guys who's just, like, in a lot of stuff, but you never know his name. Yeah, so I most specifically know him. He plays... Drew Barrymore's assistant mm. and never been kissed. Yeah, yep. I did see that. On so the yeah, show. when she's she's the journalist and her like assistant who like takes advantage of her and is always on the phone, that's him. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I love just like looking through the filmographies of some of these people. Yeah, no, he's been in a million things. It's the same thing. Ben's like, that guy looks familiar, but like from like 20 years ago. Yes. And I'm like 100% and I looked it up and like as soon as I saw Never Been Kissed I instantly knew what character he was. I've also seen that movie like 5,000 times. Um, so I was like oh yeah no he's for sure her assistant in that movie. And then I named off a couple things. Funny enough none of those movies I named off to Ben. Oh. But it was like something else and he's like oh yeah 
And he's still currently working. I saw that he was in an American People with uh, Seth Rogen. Yeah, and he was in an episode of Ghosts. Oh. On the new Ghosts from CBS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, which we're watching, and it's very good. Yeah, um, so Jonathan Shake as Johnny. That is one of the uh, character's brothers in this. He didn't have a lot of notable stuff. Um, Thomas Decker as Tommy. He was, like... Horror fans might most recognize him. He is in the Night on El- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and he plays. Oh my God, I'm blanking on the character's name. Why? Yeah, um, I try not to watch that one. Well, I mean, they're still they're based on the original characters. Oh. So it's it's uh, wow, I'm blanking on it. It's Heather Langerkamp, Heather Langerkamp's character, Nancy. It's Nancy's best friend's boyfriend that gets oh right right writer. in the beginning in the beginning um but that's who he plays in that and then he was also in the sarah connor chronicles as john connor so wasn't he in the secret circle maybe um, he was in one of those cw yeah shows. he was um, yeah he's in a lot of like kind of genre-ish stuff like genre adjacent yeah stuff. yeah but like i look because i i was like oh he's like a horror staple i was like yeah. he's not actually he's just in like stuff that's fantastical yeah, a bit right i'm pretty sure he yeah he pops up a lot. I, yeah, he's it had to have been one of those CW shows oh, because heroes. yeah, um, he was the voice of Littlefoot in Land Before Time. Five. Oh yeah, I looked because he's also the voice of Fifeful in the two directed DVD circles or sequels that I've never seen. Um, yeah, Jana Kramer is Jamie. She played Alex on One Tree Hill. Uh, that's when I knew her from. Uh, she's also a country really? singer. Right. Yeah, she was. Uh, she hasn't put out. She used to be like big, ish in the country. She was engaged to. Um... Oh my god! I'm gonna do it again. I don't know why. I Brantley Gilbert. Oh. For some reason, I keep every time I keep saying Bradley Cooper. For some <laughs> reason, I don't ask me why. Brantley Gilbert. She used. To, she was engaged to him at one point. Um, which is just random. Now she's like an influencer. That makes sense. Yeah, she has like a podcast. Um, yeah, that tracks. And is there is a One Tree Hill podcast? Because then I'd listen to it. There is a One Tree Hill podcast with Hillary Burton, Sophia Bush, and Bethany Joy Lids. What? Yes, literally the three of them have a podcast together. Oh, okay. And they bring on like other people. Holy no, shit. her podcast was with her husband. Um, and it's just like a general life growing, like better yourself podcast. But then they got divorced. <laughs> And so now I'm not, I'm sure it's like the same right. subject matter, but like her husband, her now ex-husband is like no longer on it. Um, yeah. I think it was just, I don't know. But yeah, she's, she's an interesting person. It's funny when the credits rolled in the beginning, which I always appreciate a film that does that. Um, yeah. Thomas Decker's name. I'm like, oh, I know him. And Jana Kramer. I'm like, oh, I know her. And then. Lucas Till popped up. Oh, yeah. And I was like, hey, I know him. Yep. I was like, I know all these people. Yeah. That's really funny. Um, yeah, Lena Headey as Cindy Smith, and she would go on to be very famous for doing <gasps> a Game of Thrones as Oh, Cersei my Lannister. God, it is her. Yeah, that's Cersei Whoa. Lannister. Yeah. Um, I just, like, as soon as you said Game of Thrones, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, she's also in Dread and Gunpowder Milkcake, but she is will always be most famous for Cersei Lannister. Uh, but this is definitely pre-Game of Thrones. Uh, like B said, Lucas Till as the store clerk who was in the Hannah Montana movie. I just that also that came out. out in 2009. Right. And then in the movie Monster Trucks. I love that movie. Uh, it's a very it, fun family, it. like family movie for yes. sure. Yes. It's about 
Trucks that are monsters. Yeah, trucks possessed by monsters. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then Richard Lynch as Mr. Jones. He's the mortician. Um, he's been in dozens and dozens of movies. Um, and near the end, of, he's passed away. But near the end of his life, he was most notably, uh, he would often appear as villains in all of his movies, but he was cast, Rob Zombie started using him a bunch. He would plays the principal in um, the Halloween uh, remake, and then he is one of the central characters in Lords of Salem. Um, so he was like kind of a zombie staple before he passed away. That's Rob Zombie. Yeah. Uh, like we said earlier, this, no subgenre really. This, this movie is a really no frills like body count slasher movie yeah um so like no no subgenre um that uh, goes right into our killer himself who's chrome school um his like motif is he records all of his kills and then like kind of like teases the police that they can't catch him because he sends all of them to the police yeah but he specifically um, kills women right um, and he has like a camera that he keeps on his shoulder. On his shoulder, it's like pre GoPro. Um, yeah, that's what. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly like what I said. Camcorder. I'm like, oh my god, this movie is like such a time capsule. Like they didn't even have like all the cell phones, like no smartphones. Oh yeah, any cell phone in this is like a flip phone. Yeah, or like or a, a Nokia. Yeah, phone, yeah, yeah, like an old brick phone. Like <laughs> you're trying to get the password. No GoPros. Yeah, yeah, it's like a old school camcorder that he has to like jerry rig to attach to his it's shoulder. Like Velcro. Like, it's literally well, Velcroed onto his shoulder. It's like got a piece of Velcro attached to the Velcro. So that shoulder. it reminds me of fucking Scream Four, where he has this camera. It's not. I mean, it might be a GoPro at that I think point, it's an old GoPro. But it's yeah. like still he has to have this like wonky attachment on his head for it. Like it's still which is in retrospect like kind of one of my complaints about Scream. I love Scream 4, don't get me wrong, it's a masterpiece. But some of that like weird tech that is so easily becomes outdated. Yeah. Like feels funny to me when I watch Scream 4 because like none of the first three have anything so hindered on tech that way yeah, tech is dangerous but yeah like I, two things I, I read this article once it was talking about shows that are timeless and um a big reason they quoted like i mean they said tech and then the other one was a big a big reason they said friends does so well friends doesn't use pop culture references barely ever chandler does here and there but most of that show is humor based on other things right and so it doesn't date itself when people go like i don't get that reference right. yeah and yeah so it's not it gonna goes, be like 30 rock where if you watch that show outside of the month it was in 30 rock you and have like, no idea what's going on you know it's funny which was like a random show two shows that were both like super pop culture referential um and a huge part of my childhood were tiny tunes and animaniacs uh-huh and i've gone back and watched them and i'm like it's wild to me. Some of the references in Tiny Toons, I'm like, that's from like the 70s. I was like, they're like deep cutting pop culture. And I get it. They were trying to appeal to our parents. Which right. It's a smart move. But I'm like, man, but for like generations now, no connection to this. Because like their parents are my age. Right. And they barely got those references. Right. So. Well, yeah. It's like we go back and show Liam all those old shows from like when we were kids. And it's exactly that. Like if we don't remember the reference, he definitely is not picking up on anything. Yeah. So it does date itself with that. Um, But he has no motive other than just like he loves murder, I guess. Yeah. I think think it's just alluded that he's just trying to see how long he can get away with it. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a full-blown sociopath. Yeah. He's a... 
like made a deal with the mortician, mortician to keep the bodies of the women that he kills like next door in like some giant barn oh, thing. Yeah. Um and yeah, he just has dozens upon dozens. I think that police reports said 30 missing women. Yeah. Um that they are crediting to him on America's Most Wanted. Which is like a whole nother hilarious tech moment. Oh yeah. Where we have Steven like oh my God. I don't have a phone, but I have a computer. I have, I have the internet. I have the internet. We could email the police. Yeah, and he's like, we can and he's looking up FBI's yeah. most wanted. He's like, not on the most wanted list. I was like, who the fuck has ever used that as a resource? Uh, I don't know, people and it I get it too. It's like I, Everything they have is outdated, even for two thousand nine. But oh, they're yeah. like really trying to show this is a super rural community. Oh where, yeah. Well, like, because at one point they're like, "Oh, you called the sheriff? They're two hours away." I'm like, "The sheriff? The local? The nearest police is two hours away?" It's like you guys really put in the work to really show there ain't no one around. Yeah. Because I was like, even at least highway patrol would be closer. Yeah. Because like. I was like, where the fuck? No, they have the sheriff's department there. Right. But there's one sheriff and one deputy. Right. And if you call the city police... It goes two hours. It goes, yeah. Uh, But yeah, wild. Uh, And like you said, it dates itself very fast. But like, if you grew up in that time, it's very charming. Right. If you didn't, you're probably going to be like, what the fuck is this? Right. Yeah, you're going like, what? I can just imagine my teenage niece watching this movie and just thinking it's all, like, not possible. Yeah, no. Like, I feel like it's it's how we go back to some of these 80s movies and go, like, the fuck? And, like, this doesn't make any sense. And why would they do that? Where if somebody maybe who grew up in that time period could be like, well, that's, like, not totally out of the right. question. I mean, like, that's part of the reason I have. I always enjoy watching movies with my mom because she'll be like, oh, we totally used to do that. I'm like, what the hell? Why? Yeah, instead of it just being some weird, because I will flat out tell you, there are some astronomically stupid decisions made in this movie over and over where I'm just like, oh, oh my God, I've never seen characters just be so dumb. Like, so just, nope, you can't, shouldn't do that. Nope, you shouldn't do that. Um, to the point, like, at a certain point, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is getting exhausting. Like, can somebody please do something that's not dumb? Um, so there is that factor. But the outdated tech and the being a really rural area and, like, not having enough gas to get to a town, all plausible. Yeah. All very plausible. And, like, that's that stuff didn't bug me. Right. Um, especially for overnight. No. Uh, his weapon, we mentioned it in the poster, it's his specialized knives that are like, they're chrome knives that have, um, like, you know, the brass, it's the brass knuckle thing, essentially, but they're chrome knuckles, uh, so that he can hold them in his fists as he stabs. Um, our final girl is, uh, we have a final girl and a final boy. We don't spend a lot of time with our final boy, he shows up in his last name. 15 minutes in the movie, 15, 20 minutes. Although he is the smartest character in this movie. Yes. Um, absolutely. Within the 15 minutes, easily yeah. just outshines every other character in smarts. Yeah, so Tommy, played by Thomas Decker, is our final boy, and the princess is our final girl. Um, I mean, princess gets a small character arc. She gets the whole, 
it's like, you know, she doesn't remember anything and then she learns about her past and she kind of learns that her past is not exactly what she was hoping it would be. And I think there's like some sort of redemption in her being able to stand up for herself and like take on Chrome School. Right. Um, because, she, you know, she finds out she's a prostitute and like that Chrome School, like that's why she's there is because Chrome School invited her and then, uh, you know, intended on killing her. Um, and she woke up before he could. Um, because he beat her over the head with a baseball bat. Uh, so I think it does kind of play into, again, it's a, you know, also it's a 2009 thing. Like now I think people would argue like sex workers, like sex work's not a bad thing. But in 2009, it's like, this is like a seedy person. No, very much. I mean, there's there's a whole scene where um, we have Cindy and um, Tucker. Tucker and Cindy's like, oh, like she's she could be like a prostitute and blah blah blah, and that's very much like that's a bad person, and we don't and you know they Tucker finds out about her and the fact that she has a criminal record and keeps it from her. Yep. Um, and I think that's really unlike the movies in this in this era. Yeah. Like that's uh. That character is very kind to her. Yeah, Tucker um, is very like kind to her. Overly kind. It's and, almost and like And it's completely non sexual. It completely non sexual. He's very much in love with his wife and grieving her during this movie and just kind of wants to and you know what? If I was Tucker, I would have been like, Fuck you, lady, like you got my wife killed. Yep. Like honestly, that's why I kept thinking, I'm like, he is going out of his way to risk his life for this girl who literally got his wife killed. Yep. Like, the only reason his wife is dead is because of this girl. Because it seems like, from the little knowledge we have, Chrome School was not killing anybody in this town. He was going to other towns and killing Yeah, because no one there, like, knew about anything. No. Yeah, it seemed like he was using this essentially as, like, his hideout. Right. Because it was so off the map. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Cindy would have been fine if Princess didn't, you know, stumble her way, stumble her way in. So... Tucker is just absolutely um, out of this world kind to her and yeah. dies for her. And Princess does have, like, again, she has, you learn a lot about her. She right. has, like, a full-on, like, story. It's just, like... It's hard because she... I mean, the whole movie, she never regains her memory. No. They... It's not until the last ten minutes that she watches a video showing her exactly... Yeah. And... And, like, there's no point where it goes, like, oh, my memory's back. And she just sees something and she goes, like, wow, this is this is what I feared. Right. But I didn't want to be this person. Like, sort of this fantasy, like, I don't know who I am. I could be anybody, right? Right. Like, and then she finds that out and she's like, oh, okay, fuck. And you do see sort of this, like, moment in her where, yeah, she wants to, like, get back at yes. home school. Yeah, seeing that tape, like, sets her in that direction. It's, like, so she does have, like, she has an arc. It's just, like, it's minimal because most of it happens in the last ten minutes of the movie. And it's all, like, shoehorned in very quickly. Well, and even then, like, technically Steven's the one who kills Chrome School. Because he's the one who... Oh, did the thing that's Did the... Yeah. yeah, Put the I mean, she tricks him into it. Well, like, she... She beats him enough, yeah, Yeah. that his his mask falls off. Right. Friday the uh, thirteenth, yeah. the video. It, yeah, so it's an interesting. It's just one of those things yeah. where, she, yes, she. It's it's not one of those things. It, it's not like some of the other movies where it's like, oh, she's just the last person alive. Like she does. 
she is our main character and the whole right. movie she's searching to find out what her past is like why was she, this man and after she's me she's facing like Chrome's goal head on to like an annoying level like she's refusing to step away from this situation to a ridiculous level yeah. to a ridiculous level she's like no I'm gonna sit here where the guy is and try and figure out if my memory well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to ditch the two other people helping me to face him head on yeah okay cool yep. it's like okay it makes no sense and then yeah Tommy uh, ends up at the end um, they end up being like our final girl boy but Tommy has no arc no he literally just survives yeah um yeah, so there's 11 kills in this movie, which is fairly high. Yeah. Um, they're also, almost all of them, extremely brutal. Yeah. Uh, Princess wakes up. Part Okay, and I, I will say this too. Part of the reason it's hard to have any arc with Princess, my God, she's a bad actress. Like, I, sorry, I don't like to talk, like, negatively. I'm sure I really do think everyone in this movie was, like, giving it their all. Because it is a like a passion project movie, you can tell. Um, but my God, she's a bad actress. It's like really hard. Part of you wants to be like, this movie sucks because she's so bad. But then you look past it and you're like, it actually isn't that bad. It's it it really is just her, which is it. Like I don't. I'm with Ryan. Like it sucks to say that because like I, we neither of us like ever want to like shit on anything like that's not what not what we're here to do but it is a big disparity between her acting level and every other person that's in this movie and like in particular like tucker and steven are so likable Mm -hmm. and you are really like that review you are really rooting for them and you really want them like to do well and conquer this and you'll it's like distracting yeah her performance is distracting. Yes. Um, and so, like, I feel like it's part of the reason it's hard to have any arc with her because she's so checked out anytime she's talking. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's way, it's, yeah, just, it's like, just hard to believe, like, anything that's going on with her. You're yes. just kind of like, okay, like, stop talking and we'll let that Especially part things. of that is the decision to make her an amnesiac and make her talk like a caveman sometimes. Right. Yeah. Like, half she, the movie, she, like, doesn't remember how to actually string sentences together. Yeah. So she says things like, be called cop. She, she mad. I I was from the place with dead people. I'm like, oh my god, this is just like, pick one lane. Like, may, either just like let her be a bad actress with decent dialogue. The whole movie's not written terribly. It's not written excellently, but it's not written poorly. No. Um, so like that. I think that was that an this, odd decision to yes. have her amnesia also Impact give her, her the ability to remember. Yeah, general. like she couldn't remember like partition, funeral, no. cemetery. Like, I woke up in like, a box. Yeah, I woke up in a, a dead box. That's what she called. I woke up in a dead box. I was like, oh my god. And then they get frustrated with her. That just there's no such thing as a dead box. Yeah. So she wakes up in the cemetery or in the uh, um, mortuary, and you know she immediately realizes something's wrong. So she does manage to make a call, a, a call out to the police. Once again, dating herself, corded phone connected to the wall. Yeah. And she lets curiosity get the best of her, and she's like is exploring the yeah. area she's in phone and plugs before she can finish the call she finds a dead body and that's when we are the mortician um we don't find out that he's in on this until later but at this moment he's like she's like there's someone out there and he's like no it's just me and she's like oh there's someone behind you and he's stabbed through the back with a metal yeah. rod um and we find out later that he basically told told Chromeskull, like, this is it. Like, I'm right. done helping you. And so that's why Chromeskull killed him after he'd been helping right. him. So he's basically, like, 
Crumb School's like, well, fuck. Yeah. Better go ham now. Right. It's all over. Um, Cindy, man- or not Cindy, Princess manages to stab him in the eye and, like, get away. And she's picked up on the road by Tucker in this, like, old beat-up truck. And, like, it was funny because there is zero sexual stuff. But he's really weird at first. He is really weird at first. And, like, which they do on purpose, right? They want you to feel like, oh, I think they this... want you to feel They do. Yeah. They want you to feel unnerved by the situation. Right, because you're like, is this guy in leagues with the killer? Is this the killer? Right. Is he, like, not the killer, but also going to try to take advantage right. of this woman? Because this is 2009. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but he he does, like, take her home. He's like, my truck's almost out of gas. I can bring you my house. And then that's when we, like, learn who the real Tucker is. He's actually, you know, very in love with his wife, Cindy, played by Lena Hetty. Um, they're, like, they're both very in love. And, uh, you know, he's actually just, like, a kind-hearted person. He's like, we got to take her in. Like, she's walking on the side of the road. She's got nowhere to go. And she, at first, is like, no, I don't want to do this. And he manages to talk her into it. And then, you know, after she talks, Cindy talks to Princess, she also, like, joins Tucker's side of, like, okay, we got to take care of this one because, like, she's in trouble like something's wrong um and that's when we get the whole conversation that me and i talked about where tucker names her princess and then like right after this he goes to the walk in the bedroom the door's locked and he finally breaks it in and we see that chrome skull has made his way to the house and he's holding cindy outside of the window um, like she's half in half out he's got a, a, a knife to her and they run outside and this is when you know this movie's going to get brutal because he just impales her head with the knife and yeah. it's like a shower of blood yeah just like everywhere um and so Cindy and tucker take off they manage to take the truck even though it's very low on gas um and this part's kind of funny it's like a body count moment because earlier they mentioned that Cindy's like well my brother will be here in the morning right um and then like as literally as they're taking off they pull up um her brother johnny and with his girlfriend jamie and, like, he's like, I saw Tucker get in the car with a girl, and I'm going to make sure he's not cheating on Cindy. Um, so that's why they're there early, I guess, instead of like, the morning. really early. Like, way early. He's like, oh, you woke, and also he brought his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, oh, you woke me up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like, um, and so he's like, I'm going to go tell her. And um, he's like, I don't see his truck here or anything, though. And so he, he walks out of the truck, and... Uh, Chromescape, he's like talking to her. He comes back to say something to her, and Chrome Skull grabs him. And this is like one of the most impressive practical effects in the movie. Chrome Skull cuts his face in half. Um, like, I'm talking not like down the middle, like not where, like, you know, in the center of his face where like his eyes would be on the other side. No, I'm talking down like the middle of his face. So, like, just the front half of his face slides off. And it's the interior of his face, so it's like the brain and like where his nose would be, and it's like half of his tongue. It's fucking disgusting. It's so fucking gross. It's like it's really well done. It doesn't it's... look cheap or cheesy no. or anything. That's why it's so fucking gross. Yeah. The it... whole movie. Like yeah. every kill, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh my god. That one was like, I mean, like, I mean, there was a lot of blood with Cindy's kill, and he does like use that sort of knife to like kind of saw into her. But this one I was like, holy shit like that was a wild practical effect yeah yeah there's a few and this won't be on our um body count because the character oh no never mind um and then that character was alive so so then like jamie's trying to grab this motorola brick phone and he stabs her in the hand she decides to just like make a run for it just another stupid move she's like 
I know, so many stupid moves in this. She's like, well, even like her going to grab the phone. I'm like, fucking go. Yeah. Like, he's literally right there. You're going to grab this phone in this rural town. Also, like, what's it going to do for you? Yeah, what's that phone going to do for you? And then she's like watching from under the truck and like can see where he's moving and still runs in his direction. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what the intention there was. And then, but he grabs her and he, he guts her. I mean, yeah. like, he stabs her and at first she's, like, running and she's holding it. And it looks like, you know, he gasps her stomach. And then again, practical effects. And she, like, she's, like, kind of stumbling and lets her hands go. And all of her fucking intestines are just, like, stump, like, falling out of her. Um, so she dies right there on the lawn. Um, while all this is happening, we, Tucker and Princess, have made it into town. And they're just like, they're like, the next house we see, we're going to ask for help. Like, we have to just find someone who can help us. So that's why they end up, like, knocking on this random person's door. And it ends up being Steven. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he totally just, like, buys into it. Like, they're short. He's like, yeah, come in. Like, I'll help you. I don't have the telephone, but I have I have the internet. And he's got this set up. He, like, he, no, he's supposed to be, like, that nerd. Because there's, like, like, a bunch of action figures. Well, yeah. And that's, like, the whole, like, oh, my mom died. And my kid lived with his mom. And, like, yeah, it's very much the whole, like, nerd who's like a grown-up and lives with his mom at home cliche yes um and yeah this is where like he doesn't have a phone um and i don't i don't know if it's his character yeah i think he i think it's his character or it was like sending him like oh like yeah we don't have a landline like we just didn't use it like oh that was cindy yeah yeah we got rid of it i'm like okay so, like, they just don't have a phone. They just explain away all the shit. Yeah. The things that you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense, but yeah. for the movie's sake. For sure. Like, yeah, it makes sense to not have a landline, but not have a phone at all. All right. Well, whatever. It's, I mean, we come from a rural area, and we know people from even, like, ruraler areas, like, close by to our small town. And, like, it's plausible, but very much they're just like, yeah, it'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this will be good for the movie. So, yeah, then he, like, that's when we get to the whole point we were talking about where he, like, goes to email the police, and it's, like, a form. <laughs> and then, yeah, they look on, like, the FBI most wanted, and, like, Princess is, like, in the bathroom having, like, a breakdown, and um, she thinks she sees Chrome Skull, and um, Tucker has taken the report they find on her and hid it in, in his pocket, Um and so now at this point, they, Stephen and Tucker, both know that Princess has a record. Right. I mean, I briefly see the paper. I mean, I don't think it stated her occupation. I don't think so either. It just, yeah. like, stated that she was a missing woman from uh, Miami who had been, like, I think it said, like, convicted three times. Right. Um, and so they decide to still help her after receiving this information. Yeah. Um, and Steven's like all in on it too because he's kind of at that point where he's like I want to do something like I want right. to be able to do something good so well, and they basically steer him into it because they're like well you can stay you can yeah. stay here alone or you can come with us right because they're like well if you saw the truck outside um, they're like we gotta keep moving because he knows the truck now um, so they leave yeah my ass would be like I'm fucking going with exactly you. yeah they leave they make their way to the sheriff's station um, where we find out Chrome Skull already is he has anticipated this move um, cause they get in and Chrome School has like set up a tape to make it sound like one of the deputies is asking for help. Um, 
like currently asking for help but what it is is like it's a recording of the deputy calling in for help like calling in help on chrome school he's playing it um to lure them in and so he like they separate within the station um and they realize that it's a trick um they find both of the deputy and the sheriff are dead the deputy has been stabbed multiple times the sheriff has a slip throw and chrome school is waiting for them um but they managed to make it out. Like they shut the door on him um, and they managed to make it out of there as well. Uh, this is when stuff gets really like beast head where it's just like, you're asking for trouble. Cause like they could get out of town, but like princess, they drive by them more, uh, mortuary. And she like insists on going back in. Yeah. Cause she's like, that's where I'm from. And like, it's also like real, like they have a car with gas. Yeah. And it's also like real silly because they took his car because they have his phone and they're trying to break into it and they can't. It's also hilarious. Like his phone has a password and they're like, try, try murder, try death. And then die. And then like, think his license plate is Chrome School. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why Tucker's like, try Chrome School. And that also doesn't work. But it's also, I guess their way of letting us know that he has named himself Chrome School. Uh, again, just such a 2000s move to uh-huh. me for the killer to have his own license plate that says Chrome School. Yeah, but she insists on, like, going to the mortuary. It turns into this big thing because, you know, um, Stephen doesn't want to go in there because his mother's in there and he hasn't, like, really fully accepted her death yet. Um, but this is where we find out, like, one, it's where we find out that the mortician was in league with Chrome School. And two, it's where we make our way to the barn, like this big-ass barn that has these coffins full of women that are all, like, dead. Yeah. Um, And, like, they're all basically, like, I mean, some of them are, like, in pieces. Like, literally Most of them are in pieces. Yeah. Like, he's just... So, at first, like, when I saw this, I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be, like, a pieces situation where they're, like, trying... He's trying to build, like, the perfect woman or something. Right. No... He just likes to chop chop women up, lots of women up. Yeah, it's disturbing for sure. Um, yeah, and so Princess is like running in there and she is hiding behind something and sees like a girl on top of a dead body and she presumes that she's dead. And then she sees that her eyes are open and she's still alive. Um and that scares princess uh and he she's trying to like cut away the rope around the girl's wrists um she's like bound face down like on the torso of a different dead body um and princess isn't able to do it she starts running away leaves the girl for dead and this is like so brutal he literally just decapitates her and they do it in a realistic way where you have to saw away yeah and so it's so gross it's so gross that's one of my least favorite horror things is when you saw through people it's so gnarly and like gritty like i'd rather just like clean swipe like not realistic at all but like just a clean swipe nope it's he really just saws away yeah. Until he decapitates her. Yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty gross. Uh, Tucker manages to get a shot in, um, and they think he's dead. 
Yeah. Um, or at least like incapacitated yeah. for a while. Well, yeah, I don't think they think he's dead. They just are whole, they're pretty sure they got a shot at him. Right. Um, and at this point, Princess leaves them. She like yeah. makes the decision to take their car and leave. And she's like... No, she takes Chrome Skull's car. Or Chrome Skull's car. And I, I don't know if her plan is to draw Chrome Skull away or, like, if she's finally decided to just get away. Like, she's not brave enough. It seems like it's like she's not brave enough. And she's just like, like fuck this, I'm out of here. But I'm not sh- I'm not really sure. Because yeah. um, she makes her way to a gas station where she ends up being, like captured by Crumb's Hole anyways, essentially. Well, yeah, because he remote, she puts in her GPS the store. Oh, no, no, no. She's leaving because she wants to find out who she is, and she needs batteries oh, for the camp Oh, she needs batteries order. for the camp order. Right? Yeah, I was like, no, there's a reason why she's going to that store. She wants to see the footage on the camcorder, and she needs batteries for it. Which I'm just now realizing they never buy batteries. He just wants a tape, tape. bot. Yeah, he wants a tape. Interesting. Huh. Maybe he's got batteries. Maybe he's got batteries. Yeah. I don't know. So she puts in the GPS the store because she doesn't live there and she has amnesia. And he has remote control on his brick phone. Of, sure. Uh, maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Um, a lot of things just happen to make this movie perfect. Yes. Yeah. And so he can remote control her, the, his car, sees where she's going pops in the hearse, which feels like his other vehicle. Right. It's got this, like, freaking steering wheel that's, uh, like, a chain. It's, like, got a chain yeah, steering it's like wheel. Yeah, it out. Yeah, it's, like, a pimped-out hearse. Yeah. Um, and he takes that to follow her because he sees that she's going to the store. And then Tucker and Steven get in Steven's car and they all start heading to, to our final location. Right. This is where, um, once she gets there, once again, Chrome School, like, gets kind of there. And, well, because he's texting her. Um, right. While she's in the store. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's texting her and being like. Well, yeah, because he, he gets there. He has got control of the car so he can lock and unlock the doors. And he gets in there. And he basically tells her, well, over the text on the phone, because he didn't speak, that if she doesn't want any more people to die because of her, right. she needs to go in and get another tape. Right. And so she goes in to get another tape. While this is happening, um, Anthony and Tommy are there. And they're both drunk, and they're they're going to be on their way out to Vegas. Or to no. Atlanta? Atlanta. Atlanta. Um, they're going to go party in Atlanta, but they need They're going beer. to a week-long rave. Yes, a week-long rave. Um, but they need beer before they go out. So they go. They're trying to buy beer. She's behind them in line. Um, it's a moist county. It's a moist county. Because it's not a dry county, but they're not allowed to sell beer on Sundays. Um, and it's Sunday, so they it's can't the buy beer. Day. It's the Lord's Day. So Lucas Hill, as our store clerk tells him that, they're arguing with him. And um, Anthony's eating a giant a giant tube of cheese puffs. Yeah. And while this is happening, Chrome School's getting impatient and he's texting Princess and like, you better fucking hurry up. And then she finally is like, oh, I just need one of those tapes. And our store, our little Southern gentleman here, uh, Lucas Tellers, our store clerk, sees the text and realizes that like, he doesn't know it's Chrome School, but he's like, oh, someone's abusing this woman. <sighs> uh, this is the most infuriating. It's the dumbest move of the it's movie. It's the dumbest move of the movie. He goes movie. out with a fucking double barrel shotgun Looks sawed off even. 
Because it's not like a full-length no. shotgun. No. Like, 100% will go through a body. Oh, would 100% murder someone. Yes. And Easily. Crum- and Crumb School goes out there, and he's waiting, and Crumb School, like, opens his case, and he gets his yeah. knives out, and and the whole time, Lucas tells like, don't do it, man, I'll shoot you, I'll shoot you. Crumb School is at least 15 feet away from him. And he's walking towards him, and he just keeps going, don't do it, man, don't do it. Right, because he doesn't know. This is, Princess says fucking nothing. She's just like, no, don't go out there. Right. That's it. But also, like, the man has pulled out two giant knives. And, and Princess has locked the door, so the store clerk cannot get inside. I just, like, have, I'm more annoyed with her in this situation. Like, yeah, for sure he should have shot him, but also, like, if you try and think if you were in that situation, like, the guy might have just been trying to intimidate you. Like, you don't know he's a fucking serial killer. Right. Like, she just went, you know? I mean, to be fair, if a man with a chrome skull mask was walking towards me with two giant knives, I'd be, I might just be like, I'm going to have to take a chance on this one. <laughs> I don't know. Especially in a... I think in, I... In, 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 it's the South. Right. Like, it's not California. No, I get it. He obviously, he should have shot him, but I, like, I always think in those situations, like, if it were me, I would just be so terrified. Like, what if it was just a joke? Like, if I didn't have... If I hadn't been following along and right. I just stumbled upon right. this situation or, like... What if he was just trying to fuck with me? Like, if somebody's trying to fuck with you, like, you have the right to defend yourself for sure. Right. But, but like, like, what an insane situation, know. too. Like, can you, how dumb would you have to be to be like, well, that's a double barrel slot off shotgun, but this will be funny. Right. Yeah. Like, so I get what you're saying, though, because yeah. there is that, there would be that lingering thing of like, is this man threatening? Right. Am I going to murder an innocent person? Right. So it was, especially princess, because fucking princess is princess just is like 10 feet away from you. Yeah. She could literally, like, He's killed 30 people. Yeah. And you'd be like, I have no problem shooting yeah. this guy. Or say, shoot him. Yeah. Shoot him. Shoot him. Instead, she just watches. If somebody him. said, oh my God, shoot him, and he had knives in his hand, I'd be like, fuck yeah, okay. Yeah. Instead, uh, Lucas Till, afraid to pull the trigger on this dude, uh, just watches as Crime School walks up and blows his yeah. head to smithereens. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking, it's a headshot. Yeah. Uh, with this, just right under his chin. Yep. Yeah. The whole grocery store uh, door is blood. This is when Tommy and Anthony realize, uh-oh, something is very wrong here. Yep. So Tommy tells Anthony, oh, shit, go check the back. While he's trying to figure out what's going on from Princess, uh, Tucker and Steven show up. And she's like, no, they're with me. Let them in. So he lets them in. Um, and while this is all going down, Anthony's in the back and realizes the back door is open. And uh, Chrome, sure enough, Chrome Skull's already back there and also beheads Anthony. Um well, Princess and Tucker and Steven are all trying to work through things with Tommy. Tommy is like, oh shit, my friend is gone. Uh, and he's like, goes to go check on him. And he's not there. And then there's this like weird moment where they like, what What do they need to get? They're like, there's something behind the counter that they need to get. And Princess is like, no, don't do it. And, and Steven's like, I'll do it. And like, oh, it's ammo. That's what oh, it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's That's ammo for the gun. And he's like, I'll do it. And he goes up and sure enough, like, Chrome School's waiting behind the desk. And this kill is the most out of place because it feels so, like, nightmare on Elm Street to me. Because Chrome School grabs him and he takes tire sealant and he pumps it into him until his head pops open. And, like, it's very, once again, practical effects gruesome cool but it feels very like out of place with the rest of the kills because it 
it feels like the least logical and like the most like kind of that 80s props kill stuff. Yeah, I feel like they did that though because they brought up, they opened the trunk and they had that tire sailor was one of the only things they had. Right. So I feel like they kind of used that almost in like a joking way. Like, oh, you had this tire sailor. You thought that was going to do something against me. Right. And like, here, I'm going to use, I am going to use it to kill you. Right. And kind of in a jokey way, like, all we have is tire sailor. Right. It's like, okay, what are you going to do with that? And it's yeah. like, oh, I guess you could have done that. Right. Um, yeah. So Steven, unfortunately, dies. Um, his head pops open like a blue. Um, Tucker and Chrome Skull get into an altercation. And Princess is like, get out of here like go get the car it's either like leave or get the car um i think she's like go get the car go get the car because her plan is for her and tucker to both escape so tommy leaves um and tucker stabbed in the chest and that's when oh we did miss steven finds chromosome's kit that he left on his right. car and he, and he he he's a nerd so he knows about he like, knows about the, the chemicals and, the and chemical. stuff so he makes it so the glue that chromosome uses to attach his mask to his face if he uses it again it's it's acidic um and so that case is inside like they brought that in tucker is fighting with chrome skull tucker gets stabbed in the chest and chrome skull backs princess into the freezer yeah um leaves leaves the camera in there for her to watch and this is when she finds out she was a prostitute and she finally gets like that kind of final surge to fight back because he starts stabbing at her and she manages to kick his mask loose so before he kills her he goes to put his mask back on and sure enough when he puts the glue on and puts it on his face it just starts smoke burning his entire face off and she takes this opportunity to like beat the shit out of him with a bat uh, and then the, there's this actually kind of very sweet moment where she's like saying goodbye to Tucker because he's dying and he sees her as Cindy yeah um and he like gets to say goodbye to Cindy, which is like an actually really sweet moment. That's what I'm saying. They have so like gruesome. weirdly sweet moments with the with Tucker's character. Yeah, like Tucker is definitely like the heart of this movie. Yeah. Um, and then Tommy and Princess get away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it sure as fuck looks like Chrome School is dead, but he's not. Um, I looked up like just to see. I was like, How oh, it's not a different person. Nope, it's him. Oh, uh, they somehow explained it away. I haven't watched it, but yeah. it is him. Well, they we'll find out. It away I mean, the sequel. his face literally melts away in some like insane. Like when his face was getting pulled off from the mask, that shit looks so real. Oh, and it's disgusting too. It's yeah. so gross. It, it looks like he is like literally his, ripping yeah. all of the skin. Oh my from god, the front it was so gross. Off. Like there's just his skull yeah. left, and then it's just and then like, she hits him with a, a bat, bubbly acid face and just like copious amounts of blood pouring out and then she just starts pummeling his head with a bat yeah no he somehow lives um which i was like oh, okay um but voodoo. yeah <laughs> voodoo. uh i'm there in south it's a very southern feeling movie too um but that is our movie uh it's um uh, listen it has a lot of shortcomings it's a fun slasher it's got like really cool kills yeah. it's got likable characters it has a memorable killer like i really really like the design of chrome skull yeah. it's not terribly interesting but his kills are so cool he is in right. a way right it makes him interesting because of the way the kills look because right. they're so well done yes but yeah i mean his his whole he's, he's your standard you know like killer mask right yeah yeah, where, you, like, you really, especially the ones that we have that aren't verbal and 
Like, we don't know much about them. It's just sort of like, I'm here to kill, and that's all you need to know. Yeah. And it's very much in that sort of 80s trope. Like, that's what this is. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those weird things where, you, like, while you're watching it, it's just sort of like, oh, God, this is, like, kind of bad. But then, like you said, like, you kind of get sucked into it, and you go, like, but is it bad? It's like... It has things that are definitely not working. Yes. Um, for sure. And it's very much hindered by its production level. But, like, if you can get past, like, the low production and, like, the, the like, final girl situation, like, there's a lot about this movie that's just fun. Right. Yeah. Like, it's one of those movies that, like, the phrase outkick its coverage stands to, like, comes to mind because that's what it does. It's, like... It shouldn't have been as effective as it was right. with, like, a lot of things. But, like, because, um, you know, the actors, like, you know, like Steve, uh, Sean Whalen and uh, Kevin Gage, and because of Robert Green Hall, like, a lot of this movie really works. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like, as we were kind of, like, watching it, <laughs> Ben was like, oh, God, like, what the heck is this? Like, this is pretty bad. You know, like, right out the gate, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I... I was like, I don't know. I mean, I didn't think it would be this bad because, I mean, it has a sequel. He's like, this has a sequel? And I'm like, yeah, remember? And that's when I showed it to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've actually seen that. Right. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. And he's like, oh, I guess it has a big cult following. I'm like, yeah, I guess we'll find out. And then we did. Yeah. Um, and I think it is because by the end, like, they put a lot of heart into right. it. And it ends up being, like, pretty cool. Uh, my favorite kill is, it's hard to say it's my favorite because it's disgusting, but it's definitely the the... The f- scraping off of the face. I'll put it that way. Oh, of yeah. The, of of the Johnny. Brother. Yeah, of Johnny. Um, it's just so effective. It's, it happens early enough in the movie that you're like, holy shit. Um, and, like, it punches you right in the gut. Because, because again, Cindy's kill is, like, good. It's it's effective. It's impactful. It's it's brutal. And, like, you know, Tucker's sitting there watching it happen, which makes it... But, like, Johnny's kill makes you go, like, oh, this movie's not pulling any punches when it comes to the kills. Because the mortician kill is actually probably one of the weakest in the movie. Right. It's like a rod in the back. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's how it gets me going. Yeah. I mean, I think the one that impacted me the most, for sure, that left with me is, like, the bound girl getting her oh, yeah. head sawed off. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that in particular, because, like, exactly what you say, we're so used to just sort of, like, a nice clean swipe, and there goes the head rolling. Like, we see a decent amount of decapitation in slasher movies. Yeah. Uh, there are Halloween movies, not good ones, but like Halloween movies where Michael Myers cuts someone's head off in one clean swipe with a butcher knife. Yeah. Makes a lot of Halloween resurrection. Absolutely not ever going to happen. <laughs> no. So it's just so, it's a brutal situation. Like you, she was bound, like princess yeah. like kind of caused it i mean she was obviously she gonna die every right but like princess like gets that situation like to happen and then has to watch it and it's like she had hope like oh my god this person's gonna like get me free and then just have crumbs will come up grab her hair and just start sawing at her neck and it's so realistic it just oh man yeah, it's nuts. That's definitely the one for sure that I get you. that gets me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, and I mean, I think Chrome School's death. I'm gonna say he dies because I haven't seen the sequel. 
his death is for sure that kills like pretty incredible too. But I mean, it, it is. It doesn't yeah, just really another. count because it's the killer, right? And a showcase of practical effects. Yeah, like, really cool. Yeah, just I'm not. I mean, I think this is some of the best um, of kills we've covered. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's and again, it lines up with Hatchet a lot. It's just Hatchet is played so conveniently, right. so these like hit a little different. Uh, my favorite quote is "He wants to make me dead." Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was so hilarious. Uh, oh yeah, uh, and like that's just one of her many like cave quotes. Um, <laughs> cave she has. caveman sayings. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely um. my favorite. Um, it has. It has a very small cult following, enough that it got a sequel, and enough that, like, the sequel built enough that they wanted to make a third one. It was bad a name and everything, like, treatment poster, called yeah. The Rest 3, Exhumed. Um, so, like, it was in the works, um, just unfortunately because of everything that happened with the director, they decided to not be fun with it. Uh, but this one does have a small cult following. Um, it is our 84th film. Uh, so you can find our list at keepstreaming.com slash the dash list. We do rank every movie at the end of our episodes, and it is ranking of how well a movie works as a slasher, not necessarily how much we liked a movie. Uh, number one is still Nightmare on Elm Street from 84, followed by My Bloody Valentine from 1981, and then the bottom is both April Fool's Day, both, uh, 08, followed by 86, and then Girls Night Out. Um, yeah, this will be our 84th movie. I think it would be easy to look and see like where Hatchet and Cole Prey are because it does so much, like it falls so aligned yeah. with those movies. Yeah, Hatchet's at 22. I think Cole Prey's significantly lower at, yeah, 40. Yeah, I think it could probably find, like fall healthily between those. Right. Our Killer and Hatchet obviously has, our Killer and our Final Girl both have way, or Final Boy slash Girl in that movie as well. Yeah. Have way more going for them. Like Final Girl has her parents, her brother and father were killed. Um, there's a redemption arc for her. That's one of the movies where it like switches actually. Right. Like we think it's Final Boy and so yeah. Final Girl. Um and like Victor Crowley's just a fucking ride. And Chrome exactly. School is cool too, don't get me wrong. Like the yeah. design itself is very cool. But, it's just like two different styles of killers for right. sure. For sure. Um and like but very similar again with like the style like the practical effects kills, how savage they are. Um, you know, I, when I look at the other movies under Hatchet Blood, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Black Xmas. I mean, this thing does, it's not a super far into the past, but it does give us that, like, past thing because, you know, she wakes up and she's um, amnesia. Yeah, yeah, there's something that happened to her. You know, it's not this, like, familiar like, 10, 20 years later, like, you know, typical blueprint um, trope going on. It's following more so, you know, the stock and slash and anybody that's in and he's determined to get her specifically and is just killing anybody that gets in his way of killing her um we've got like the cops are like we've got all our small tropes like the cops are useless the phones don't work um, cars out of gas like those are all very common slasher tropes like we have all these small ones playing playing a part as far as the blueprint goes um it's very much following in the in the line of like you know we sort of have like a few realms most have that sort of like blast from the past we kind of have that a little bit um we follow a uh, final girl um, or our killer, and in this case, we follow our 
final girl and like her journey and these characters. We have a killer that, you know, is masked. We don't know who they are. Yeah. It's not a whodunit. No. Um, we're not wondering, like, and trying to unmask this person. Like, it doesn't matter who they are. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's looking like, I mean, most likely that I probably might love is like fits in very well around those similar things, right? Um, a lot of the, like, similar ideas of, like, those are all, like, pretty true blue slashers, too, that are just dragged down by certain things not being as good. Right. Um, you know, like, I think our, our, obviously, our final girl is much more likable in Prom Night. Um, I think our killer is actually pretty similar. Um, yeah, I think those, Prom Night and Most Likely to Die specifically, just play so well into that blueprint better than this one does. Oh, yeah. Um, Like this is okay. So this is a weird moment. We've never done this on the podcast. Why is Happy Birthday to me so high? Oh, where is it? It's right. It's number thirty-four. And like I, I re-listened to that podcast episode the other day, uh-huh. and I was like, I don't know why we rated that high. Or am I thinking of the wrong movie? Happy birthday to me is... Or is there... No, you're thinking of Bloody Birthday. Thank you. Yes, Yes. I am. Okay, because I was like, Happy Birthday to me is the one we love. Yes. Bloody Birthday is the one that's barely a slasher, so I was like, why the fuck is this so high? Oh my god, I got so... Oh, there's Bloody Birthday down there with 76. Yeah. I was... I literally was about to be like, this has never happened, but I think we're going to have to change ranking right now. (laughs) Um, Okay, that makes so much... I was literally getting distracted, because I was like, why is this... Okay. No, Happy Birthday to me is the like the awesome epic. One. Yes. Yeah, 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 that great, movie's great, epic. Great. Yeah, no, uh, Bloody Birthday is not. I yeah, God, there's so many movies. I definitely that it's so hard because this I keep is looking... a really weird spot in our list. I feel like like the I feel like from like 25 to like 45, like those 20 movies in the list are all sort of right. Hard to rank because exactly it's like they're not good enough to be top twenty. Like there's something lacking from them. Right, but they are. Very but they good. are very good slashers that like follow the formula or follow or if they don't follow the formula super like as well. They have other tropes in there. I'm um, actually thinking this at number thirty seven or or below how fast I'd be okay with either. But, like, I think the killer is cooler than Hellfest. Hellfest, we get that, like, massless killer, and, like, he has no motive. No identity, which makes no like, motive. Which yeah. makes him scary, but also at the same time, like, Chromeskill's really cool because of his design. Right. Um, and because of the way he kills. Hellfest, though, has, like, the really awesome gimmick going for it. Like, beautiful, like, design production work that we, like, just love that world. And the final girl does. It's actually very similar to Princess, where she doesn't have a huge arc, but her final girl in that way more likable, way more believable, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so and also, I feel like in the Hellfest we are getting more of our tropey characters. Whereas in this, we actually don't. We have a lot of really good characters, but we don't get a lot of tropey characters. No, they're not following. In Hellfest, we get both. We get okay. tropey, but also good characters. Like they're characters that we really like. We like, you know, like the aloof guy who's into her, who's kind of like goofy. Right. We like the best friend character. Yeah. Um, we like. 
I, the like I, jockey boyfriend. Right. And then like the flip of like Bex Taylor's house as like, um, you know, like the, she's like a more gothy, but like very um, tough, like girl character. Um, so like, I think Hellfest does a little better, but I could see this. I do think it does slasher things better than Hello, Mary Lou and Intruder and Culprit. Right. Well, yeah. And I was going to say too, like you can kind of look at this in similar to Intruder and the fact that that movie, again, you can see like so much heart mm-hmm. and like so many good ideas were put into that movie. It just lacked whatever it lacked, right. whether it was experience or budget or time or whatever it was. It's like you could see the potential with that movie so much and the kills were awesome. Right. But then a lot of other things about that film lacked, like the final, there's no final girl in right, that movie. Right. No, it's our like, killer our killer's like just kind of dude. bleh. And there's yeah. like, the script is kind of like a little bit all over the place. So I, I feel like this is like a version of Intruder that, that does it better. Right. So yeah, I mean, I think 38 would be yeah, like a good spot right for this. Like yeah. Uh, cool. So this will be our new number 38, Day to Rest, number, our new number 38, um, from 2009. And again, you can watch this for free on Tubi. Uh, we will be back in two weeks with our next slash here, which we do have mapped out, maybe. Um, yeah, we have a calendar that had some tentative things on it because we were waiting for some interviews and also like special guests and also we wanted to see if x was a slasher uh, which it is so x will be one of the movies that we want to try to get to this year so um, what we are covering next is tourist trap. tourist trap yeah we're gonna keep that up. so uh yeah we will be back in two weeks with tourist uh tourist trap tourist trap however uh, you want to say it yeah. tourist 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 i don't know it's words um, it's been a long podcast. Uh, but we'll be back in two weeks with Tourist Trap, which I think is a part of Slasher, um, if I recall correctly. Or is it? Yeah, 79, so it's a part of it. Um, and until then, keep screaming!